So, shepherds. Who can tell me what a shepherd does? Watches over sheep. This is a picture of an ancient Israelite shepherd, or what they think they might look like. So, if you notice, when you look at it, pretty rugged, pretty tough looking. He's got his staff, and his staff protects the sheep. Protects them from deep animals, from animals that are big, strong. Protects the shepherd. The staff also protects the sheep from going out at night. At night, he puts the sheep into a pen. And then the shepherd lays across the front of the pen and puts his staff there. The sheep will not cross the staff, so it protects them. Let's check in on the sheep. Let's see how the sheep are doing. Maybe. Logan, you got the video? Yep, here we go. Oh, yeah. Pretty, uh, pretty, pretty rough. I mean, let's see. Let's, let's talk about sheep. Not, not the brightest animals on Noah's Ark. They, uh, they don't sound very intimidating. Yeah, they just kind of bat. And you're like, what is that? They, um, they're soft, fluffy. Everybody likes them. They're not super fast. When they fall over, they can't get back up. But, but think about it. What, what, are, what are we? We're sheep. So everything we just talked about, that sheep are, and we kind of laughed about it, that's pretty much what we are around this world and stuff. You know, we fall down. We, sometimes we can't get back up. We don't have many defenses for ourselves. We don't sound very intimidating. And we need a shepherd. So Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You lead me to still waters. You restore my soul. You lead me in paths of righteousness. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Psalm 23, rolling with it. We're going to come back to the back end of it. So I want us to think about it. But first, we got to pray. So let's, let's pray with me. Dear Lord, God, I just thank you for today, Lord. I pray that you come before me, before this room, Lord. I pray that you come behind me and around me, Lord. I pray that everything I do point to you. I pray that everything this room does point to you. I pray that every person in this room comes to know you, Lord, that they come to see you as their shepherd, that they come to see you as their shepherd, Lord. In your name I pray, amen. When I, growing, when I was growing up, I used to think of the Bible as this is my Old Testament in my right hand, New Testament in my left hand. And I knew, yeah, they're all in the same, they're in the Bible. But I never thought about the fact that they connected. I never formed a knot. So I never took the Old Testament, New Testament, and saw the connection between them. Tonight, we're going to build three knots, three truths that show the connection between the old and the new. The old and the new coming together to tell a story, to show us Jesus being a shepherd. So first point of the night, first knot. Taking the right and the left, putting together. Jesus sees you. Now let's look at Matthew 14, 13, and 14. This is the beginning of what y'all have been learning about in life groups. So this past Sunday, what did y'all learn about? Jesus feeding the 5,000. Yeah. So anybody tell me anything crazy about it? Jonah. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah, 12 baskets left. So five loaves, two fish, 12 baskets left. Jonah, great job. You were paying attention Sunday. Yeah. Listen, I know there was, listen, there was a lot of people there, a lot, a lot, a lot. So let's read it together real quick. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. So Jesus, in a boat, goes off into a desolate place. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When, they went, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. So I want us to focus on this word right up here. This word desolate. Now, to be honest, I do not like big words. Big words scare me, and they kind of make me uncomfortable sometimes. So I did not exactly understand exactly what desolate meant for a long time. But somebody explained it to me, so I'm going to explain it a little bit. Desolate is like way, way out in the country. So for you and I, it'd be like way past, like out where Corey grew up, like Tipton County, like way out there. Way, way, way out there enough that... Let's be honest, they probably drink sweet tea for water instead of water. That's, amen, amen. So, we know he went to a desolate place. John the Baptist has just passed away. Jesus is going to a desolate place to pray. And the crowd follows him. They hear Jesus, the Son of God, has come to a place. And they're willing to go to this desolate place just to be with Jesus, just to see Jesus. And when Jesus sees them coming up over the hills, as we imagine, if you imagine he's up on top of a hill in a desolate place and he's seeing them come up towards him, he notices that they're sick, they're hurting, they're frightened, they're looking for an answer. Now Jesus, he doesn't just look past them, he doesn't look around them, he doesn't just pretend they're not there, he truly sees them, he sees their hurts, sees their injuries, sees their hearts needing a shepherd. And Jesus heals them. He heals the sick, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. So Jesus saw them. So that's the first truth of the night. That's one side of this knot we're going to make. So on our left hand, bring it up towards we're taking the knot. We know Jesus sees you. That's the truth in the New Testament. Now we're going to flip over. Let me flip my notes real quick. Let's flip over to Psalms, Psalms 23, what I just talked about. In Psalm 23, it begins, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Look at these words right here. I shall not want. He makes me. He leads me. He restores me. He leads me. None of this was possible if the shepherd, being Jesus, doesn't see David, his sheep. David wrote the Psalms. David was a man after God's own heart. And David trusted God. David's writing this psalm with an outpouring of his heart, saying, God, you are my shepherd. You see me. None of this would be possible if the Lord, God, didn't see David and know where to take him. Green pastures, I didn't know this, but studying this, sheep will only eat green grass. They don't eat brown grass. So they would be very stuck around here with all the brown grass we get during the winter. He leads me beside still waters. Sheep will not drink from moving water. They're very picky drinkers. They will only drink from still water. So fun fact about sheep. If you learn anything tonight, you can go home and tell your parents, I learned that sheep don't drink from moving water. 
I hope you learned more than that, but I understand I was in middle school too, so I'm flowing with you. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So that's our left hand. So take your right hand, take your left hand, put them together. Let's try that again. Let's try to get it together. There we go. There we go. So that's the knot we're making. We've just made a knot of truth. This truth, Jesus sees you. He sees every single one of you. He sees your hurts. He sees your pain, your frustrations, your victories. He sees all of that. He's watching. Not in a creepy, weird way, but in the way that he sees you. Because sometimes when you're walking through life, it does not feel like anybody's paying attention. But Jesus sees you. So that's our first truth. I want to tell you all a story. I was talking to Ian's wife, Berkeley. Everybody, we all know. Yeah, thank you. The ladies know Berkeley. The ladies know Berkeley. So Berkeley is our high school MA. Berkeley and I were talking this weekend. We just had Bellevue Loves Memphis. Did anybody do anything at Bellevue Loves Memphis? Okay, yeah, some of y'all, some of y'all. So the high school team was doing a cookout in partnership with the church. And... Berkeley had bought food for about 30 people. And right as they're about to leave, our missions team said, hey, we have extra food, you should take it. So Berkeley's like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll take it. And she had no idea what to do with this extra food. Absolutely zero idea. Well, she rolls up to the church that they're doing this cookout with, and before she's even out of the car, the pastor's rolling up and saying, hey, just wanted to let you know, I, um, I opened up this cookout to the public. Now, Berkeley was only expecting to feed the church staff and their team, right? So about 30 people. Well, now all of a sudden, they're feeding the public. Guess how much food was left after they were done? Zero. But did everybody get fed? Yeah. The pastor had no idea our missions team had given Berkeley that extra food. Berkeley had no idea that the pastor had opened it up to the public. The Lord sees ahead of you. He sees a greater opportunity to make an impact. And he moved powerfully, very powerfully. He might not have multiplied the food right in front of Berkeley's eyes, but he did actually in the way the missions team brought the extra food. That stuff is stuff that you and I see all the time. The Lord sees you. You can trust that Jesus sees you. All right, that's our first truth. Our second truth, Jesus supplies. So that's our second one. So we got to build another knot. We've already built one. Jesus sees you. So let's start on the second hand. Let's go to our right hand this time. So we're going Matthew 14, 15 through 19. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus says, they need, to not, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we have only five loaves, two fish. Then he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowd. So it's dark. It's getting dark. They've been out there all day. Who all spent like all day out in the sun? Yeah, so you get pretty tired after doing that. You're thirsty. You're probably a little hangry, if we're being honest, because I get pretty hangry. 
a little irritated, you know, your sibling's sitting there poking you at you. You've been poking all day, and you're just, you're just I'm ready to be done. So Jesus, remember, he had just talked about, Jesus sees you. So the Lord sees that, hey, these guys, they need some food. They need some help. So he asks his disciples, he says, hey, what are we going to do? But then they tell him, look, man, they're good. They've been out here all day. You've been teaching all day. Just send them on their way. Get, just send the jabronis down the hill. They'll be fine. They'll be good. Now, I got a question for y'all. Does that sound like something a shepherd would do? No. These are Jesus' sheep, and he doesn't send them on, a way, on, a, on their way. He doesn't send them away to just go fend for themselves. Now, he asks the disciples, he says, no. How much food do we have? What are we going to do? And they say, we have five loaves. We have two fish. Now, I want you to remember, just like we talked about, they're in a desolate place. There's no McDonald's. There's no cookout. No Chick-fil-A. No Chick-fil-A points to spin. No Starbucks points to send. Like, there's nothing. All right, listen, listen. Listen up, listen up. There's nothing there. It's desolate. It's sad. But Jesus, he knows. Now, I want us to think about this. I want us to think about this. Somebody give me a guess. How many people can sit in this room? Hold on, hold on. Don't, hold on. Daniel, listen up. Yeah. How many do you think? Doesn't have to be right. Just give me a guess. 65? Okay. That's, hey, that's good. That's good. This room sits about 250. Now, I want you to think about this. Take 20 of this room, and that's how many men were on top of this hill. Just the men. Not the women. Not the children. So there's a lot of people. This is not a small crowd. So the loaves back then, the loaves of, they were only about that big. They were like a dinner roll. So he had about five dinner rolls, two fish. Probably about that big. Maybe. I don't know. But not enough to feed 5,000. Yeah. It's going to be rough. And the disciples know that. They're like, we, we have nothing, Jesus. We we got no answer for you. But Jesus then says, sit them down into groups. So they sit down into groups. And he says, he prays and then provides for them. Jesus supplies for them. So that's one side of it. That's one side of the knot. Let's build the other side. So let's go over to Psalms. Going back to Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup overflows. So what do we, lo what do we learn about a shepherd and his staff? It, in a sense, supplies for the sheep, protects them, protects the shepherd, shows the sheep where to go, keeps them where they're supposed to be. My cup overflows. Now, let's think about that. Each one of you has a cup. Each one of you, yeah, 
Crusher, yeah, that works. That works. You pour out, you pour in. You pour out to others around you. I'm pouring out to you right now. You're pouring out to your friends right now. You're with your friends. But you also get poured into. I am pouring into y'all right now. So your cup is getting filled up a little bit more. When you go and talk to people about Jesus, when you go hang out with your friends, when you go do sports, when you go to school, your cup is pouring out. If you let your cup get dry, there's nothing to pour out. So when we talk about that, I want us to think, what is a good illustration for that? And as a good illustration for that, my wonderful, wonderful boss, Corey here, had this brilliant idea. Yeah, so give Corey a big round of applause. All right, so I want us to, th- want us to think about this. Look, this jar is you, okay? Here's family. You pour out. Here's friends. Pour out. School, you pour out. Extra, you pour out. Just other stuff in life. All right? What happened to my jar? Yeah. It's empty. There's nothing. There's nothing. There is no more. I cannot give anything else to school. I can't give anything else to friends. I have nothing left for family. Nothing else. I want you all to understand, a lot of us are right here. I was right here. I get right here all the time. I go, go, go. I do not like sitting still. I am a very busy person, honestly, probably a little ADD sometimes, just very busy. I will fill my schedule so far up and not leave any room for God that come the weekend, come a couple days, and I look at my cup, and this is all I see. I look at the bottom, and I'm like, man, mom's a little dirty, but like, there's nothing there. But when we slow down, when we are intentional with our time, when we look at God and say, God, I want you to fill me back up. This big bowl is God. Watch. See? Yeah, he fills us right back up. So now look, I have more. I have more to pour into here. This one's already a little full, so I'm not going to pour into that one or the other ones. But you see what I'm saying here? The cycle. I, I pour out, I pour in. I get poured in too. I pour out, I get poured in too. It's a daily cycle. Daily, you're always pouring out. doesn't matter if it's not one of these jars that you're pouring out to. You're always expending your energy on something. Some of it's good. Some of it's bad. But you have to be filled up. You have no option. You have no option. You either get filled up or you find yourself bone dry. It is not a good place to find yourself bone dry. So, we've looked at Psalms. My cup overflows. David's telling them, my cup is constantly being filled up by God. I know God's filling up my cup. I come to him every day. We have a relationship. He fills me up. David's not saying my cup has been overflowing, meaning he's now kind of dry. David's not saying he's going to. David's saying it is in the present, overflows. That means present tense. So he is right now getting his cup overflowed. Pretty cool idea, isn't it? So let's think about it in our knot. In our left hand, 
Take our right hand. Yeah. So our left hand. Jesus has now supplied for the entire crowd. He has poured out to them and then got poured up into by God. So let's take our other hand. Psalms. My cup overflows. Don't clap yet. Don't clap yet. I like the energy, but don't clap yet. So we're going to take it together, okay? Three, two, one. We made a knot. There's our second knot. Yeah. All right, all right. Listen, listen, though. Listen up. Here's our second knot. A truth you can trust. The second truth. Jesus is going to supply for you. Jesus will supply for you. Jesus does supply for you. That's powerful. But we have one more knot to make. One more truth to show. One more connection. One more clap. So for this one, we're going to go a little backwards. The pattern we started is looking at Psalms first, then Matthew. So actually, my bad. We're going to keep the pattern. But let's go back to Psalms. We're already here, so we're going to Psalms. Looking at Psalms 23.6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, our third truth is Jesus shows you. Jesus shows you his power. Jesus shows you. When you look at Psalm 23, sorry, Logan, I'm a little backwards, but can you put it back up there real quick? Yeah, thank you. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. So when you look at Psalm 23, Jesus shows you his power. He has shown David his power over and over again. David doesn't say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. He doesn't say one day. He doesn't say this week. He says all, meaning the rest, all of them. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All and forever. Those are big words. People don't throw all and forever out like they're nothing. Those matter to David. And David would only say that if he's seen God and he knows that God sees him and he knows that God supplies for him. It's the only reason this verse is added in here. It's there intentionally. And David's trying to get you to show, hey, God's going to show you his power and I'm going to trust in that. I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David does not leave room for any hopes. No, I thanks. No, I might. He knows he will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David would only say that if he's seen Jesus show him his power over and over again. So that's one side of the knot. Go on to the second one. Let's go to Matthew real quick. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So I want us to think about this. The disciples have just seen Jesus feed the 5,000. They've seen Jesus see the crowd. They've seen Jesus supply for the crowd. They've seen Jesus show the crowd. Now, you might wonder when you get to the end of this, why is it specific? All four Gospels tell this story, and all four Gospels have 12 baskets left over. Jesus gave each disciple a basket. To understand the significance of this, to form another knot, to show the truth, the old and the new coming together to tell a story, we got to go all the way over to Joshua. In Joshua 4, the Israelites are trying to cross the Jordan River. Joshua's leading them. Now, many of you remember the Red Sea. That's a very famous story that a lot of us know. Moses crossing the Red Sea. 
The Egyptians are chasing them. Moses puts the staff down. Boom, Red Sea goes. They go across on dry ground. Many people don't remember that Joshua crossed the Jordan River on dry ground as well. The Ark of the Covenant was brought to the edge. As soon as the priest's feet touched, it moved. They went across. Pretty cool stuff. When they get across, though, God tells them, you need to take 12 stones. The 12 stones signify the 12 tribes. And he says, put them in memory of what I've just done for you. God knows that his sheep are really forgetful. Just like the video we watched where that sheep took three steps, made a circle, and jumped right back into the ditch where it was. That's us all the time. And God knows we need physical reminders of our providence with him, of our glory with him. Okay? So, he says take 12 stones. They put the 12 stones there. These 12 baskets the disciples have are the exact idea of the 12 stones. Jesus knows his disciples are also sheep. They forget a lot of stuff. They go right back into the ditch, just like we do. And we need a physical reminder. So he puts the 12 baskets there to say, hey, remember. Remember that I saw the crowd. Remember that I supplied for the crowd. Remember that I showed the crowd my power. Pretty awesome stuff. Okay, so that's one side of it. Now, really quickly, let's make our last one. Let's go to our other hand. Talking about Psalms, okay? There we go. So we've now talked about Psalms. We've talked about Matthew. We've talked about how surely goodness and mercy will follow me to all the days of my life. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Talking about Matthew, the 12 baskets in remembrance. They show that Jesus will show you his power. So take your right, take your left. One more big clap. Are we ready? Oh, not yet. Hold on. A little anxious there. All right. Three, two, one. There's our third knot. Listen, no clap. Don't clap yet. Don't clap yet. That's our third knot. The truth that Jesus shows you his power. Now, in order to talk about that, I've got two of my very fine friends that are rolling up with me. Real quick, eventually. There you go. All right. So y'all know your life group leaders. Give it up for Nick and Noah. Yeah, microphone's right there. Perfect. So Nick and Noah are world travelers. They just took a big trek. Fellas, where did y'all go to? We went to Lima, Peru. Oh, here you go. There you go. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, we went to Lima, Peru. Lima, Peru. That's that's pretty far away. Long plane ride. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what were y'all doing that week in Lima, Peru? So my group was Via Maria, and we basically went up to this dirt mountain. Not like Mount Everest, but very sandy, very dusty. So the first two days, what we did, we went to the Sam's of Peru and bought enough food to feed 200 families for a week. And so it was basically just like a great American home store, basically a feast, right? And so the first day, we bought all the food. The second day, we packed all the bags. And then days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we hiked the mountain. And it was miserable. I tell you what, because we had to carry all these bags. We had to carry water up there. But the first part of the day, we do home visits. We basically just share the gospel with these people. And then the second part of the day, we do a VBS. So that was kind of what my week looked like yeah. on top of the mountain. What about you, Nick? Yeah, so I was in a different part of Lima. I was more in the city. I was in um, a place where a church had just uh, started growing up a year ago. So I went back about a year after it started. And what I was doing is they had just rented out a building. So what we did, a lot of the times we went in the back behind this building in this uh, little area. had like some grass and like 
something to cover from the shade, and it was just very overgrown. It was very, looked nasty, looked like somebody hadn't done anything to it for 20 years probably. So we did a lot of the time, we repainted a lot of stuff, we um, redid a lot of the landscaping and made it look nice so they could actually meet church together. And we also um, went in this little park, which is where they're having service on Sunday morning right now, and we got to share the gospel with the people in that park. So. Yeah, awesome. So it sounds like y'all were super busy, and it sounds like y'all did a lot of pouring out, just like we talked about with our jar. It sounds like y'all were pouring out into all these different facets all the time. So in what ways did you have to make sure you were getting poured into that week? Uh, I would say for me, we truly learned the power of prayer. I know that sounds like a cliche answer that you guys hear probably all the time, but seeing a new perspective of the missionaries down there, as we were shopping, Miss Brandy Johnson was like, man, be praying over the food that we're buying. As we're packing the bags, like be praying over the food, the houses that they're going to be receiving. As we're climbing up the mountain, we're, we're praying for survival for ourselves, but we're also like, man, open the doors before us. And then to see the fruition of that and how all that came from saturating our days with prayer is huge. And I think without that, man, we would have been dry. There's yeah. no way we could have been filled to do that. Yeah, I definitely agree with Noah about prayer. Another thing is just um, having a godly group of people around you to keep you accountable. Um, there is a, a group of people who are with me, helping me be able to um, pour out all my energy into all this landscaping and then go and talking to people about Jesus. And every day I would come home and we debrief and it's just like, man, we're not supposed to do it alone. We're supposed to do it with these other groups of godly people who are also trying to um, pour into you, but also help you pour out God's love and help you be able to get God to pour into you. Yeah, perfect. Thank you, fellas. Everybody give them a big round of applause. Yeah. So, Jeff, y'all want to go ahead and come on up real quick? Yeah, so I want y'all to think about this, though. Do you see the pattern? Do you see the consistency of Jesus, our shepherd? Those guys were out there being Bellevue's hands and feet in Peru. They're being Jesus' hands and feet in Peru. And they would have been left bone dry if they hadn't done exactly what they said, if they hadn't been shown the power of prayer, if they hadn't had groups accountable with them that were pushing them towards the Lord. All of these things, they show you the truths. The three knots that we form, the three truths. Jesus sees you. Jesus supplies for you. Jesus shows you his power. All of those things are not possible if your cup's empty.